0: All right, Dave Tunders, how's it going, my friend, Mister Fong? It's been a while. It's been a while. Um, so before we get started, most important in our uh, in our pre-call, you know, in preparation, like the people we are, do you have a drink in front of you? Uh, a I drink have, of choice.
1: Believe it or not, a glass of water.
0: A glass of water. Okay, yes. I'm going to trust that's a, cl- a glass of water, yes. and you're going to have to trust is a, a <laughs> cup Coffee. of
1: tea. Yeah. <laughs> oh, tea. Sorry, it's tea. <laughs>
0: I had enough coffee for one day. That's for sure. Um, two or three yeah. cups in, in a day. Well, look, uh, hey, Dave. Thank you for uh, being the official first guest of this podcast. So, I'm this is, yeah, and it's it's this podcast is all about leadership. Coach. I'm planning to do with folks like Dave here is take uh, industry leaders, and I want to dissect what are the mindsets that they they use in order to achieve success, and you know, more importantly. Uh, how did they overcome failure? How did they deliver feedback? Um, what are the mindsets for resilience? So those are some of the things I'm going to dissect today with uh, Dave. So hopefully, uh, you know, keep your hat on, keep your water close by, right? And we're gonna have some fun today. Sound good?
1: Oh yeah, you you might dip into the wine later.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, you know, I'll press pause here when we do that. When
1: we do so, that. Okay.
0: So, Dave, um, uh, you are one of the uh, industry leaders. I know, uh, you, you know, you're retired, as you, as you mentioned, and you haven't done this for a while. But uh, maybe just uh, let the listeners understand uh, what have you been up to, who you are, where you're from. Let's start there.
1: Well, it depends on when you want me to start from. Um, you know, I, I, was, I was thinking about the different roles that I've had over the years, and it's kind of, where, where's the beginning? And uh, I' trying to figure out kind of how I evolved through that period of time and the types of companies. Um, so you know who who am I? I?'m I have been very much um, focused on uh, understanding kind of how, how I, I got to where I am and, and I have to really think back to even when I first started with my, with my parents, my family. Uh, we were raised on a dairy farm. Um, I, I was on that dairy farm until I was like almost 22, 23 before I uh, decided to uh, spread my wings, so to speak. And and that whole period of, especially on a dairy farm, it's constant. Uh, you're seven by 24. You're working on the farm, and your work ethic is 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 like it's ingrained in you. Uh, it's just part of you. And uh, I have had a very very uh, positive experience with family owned farms. Um, and as a result, uh, you know, job was never done until it was done. Uh, you do whatever it takes to get things in place and, and, and you enjoy every moment you have when, you, and, you know, whenever you have accomplishments, you celebrate that accomplishment. It was, it was kind of those types of things that, uh, occurred and, you know, you, 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 I'm sure a lot of people have things from their fathers and mothers that they kind of remember the sayings that they had. And one that really stuck with me for many years, uh, and and I kind of have spoke about this with others that I've helped out with, Um, and that is um, my dad always believed that you have to listen before you speak. And in fact, he says, God only gave you one mouth, but two ears. So let's use the ears more than the mouth, and uh, you will learn a lot more and uh, be better prepared. To, to go forward and, and i i believe that is a is a a core uh, capability ability that you you, you learn very early in life and if you can do it well uh I, I think that sets you up for success um who am i um i've been as i said a farmer i've also worked with construction for a couple of years um, building bridges concrete work um that taught me that hard work is is a part of it, but it also taught me that that's probably something I don't want to do for the rest of my life. It uh, really kind of motivated me to think about going back to school, and uh, I had a, this thing about uh, accounting for whatever reason, being coming an accountant. And um, after my second year, we got introduced to things that were just becoming mainstream. Uh, it was mainframes. Uh, computers. And we got to learn a little more. And I, I got so excited about it because it, it was something that was unique, uh, very technical, uh, very, uh, it, it challenged you in different ways that I uh, had never been challenged before. And as a result, um, I changed, changed my direction. I decided to focus on computers. And that was uh, uh, from there on, um, a progression of under of working at the detail level, the technical level. And then eventually uh, started working in the software industry, working with uh, companies like Sybase, it's like information builders, uh, or organizations that have uh, building tools to deliver applications. And eventually that evolved me to the next level of working with the actual applications. So you, you're dealing with companies like Siebel, Salesforce, uh, VMware, uh, made as part of a building tool, but also helped start talking about the things like cloud computing and in uh, virtual uh, realities uh, that uh, VMware was working on at the time when before when I left. So that, that's kind of my background and kind of where the types of uh, influences I've had uh, from a company perspective through those years.
0: Well, thank you for that, Dave. Um... So I think that's a really great overview of uh, your your prof- your personal and your professional career and how you ended up, you know, from, it sounds like from dairy farm to server farm, um, <laughs> if I was just, <laughs> but uh, I, I do want, I want, I want everyone to get to know you a little more. And I actually mm-hmm. didn't know about your dairy farm uh, background, um, or maybe you've told me I just didn't listen, uh, <laughs> that your dad would be very upset with me, uh... but. Tell me about the dairy farm. Life on a dairy farm, huh? How was that? What did you enjoy about it? What did you not like about it?
1: Um, well, this this is um, we we were in a, a farm just just north of London, Ontario, um, and from a standpoint of uh, as soon as I was able to walk behind the cows and and uh, help with milking, I was in the barn five thirty in the morning. Um, we were milking cows by six, feeding cattle by uh you know, probably about seven thirty, eight o'clock, and then we we're in the house for breakfast and the next thing you know we're out well what needs to be done today type of conversation, whether it's harvesting, whether it's planting. Um, we were growing our own corn, hay, uh you know. I am one of those guys who had the shorts on and T shirts that were out baling hay and getting scrapped by all of the <laughs> the 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 grass and so forth but it toughened me up and uh from a standpoint of uh being in a regimented environment uh, there you know you need you couldn't milk cows at seven o'clock you had to be there at 5 30. you had to be you're consistently being drawn back what, to what happens if you success. actually wait till seven o'clock what happens to the cow well you get uh potentially uh milk that's unacceptable in terms of being able to be shipping it Uh Uh, and um, also cows get sick uh, because the expectations, they're they're moving through the whole process themselves, Uh and consistency and and executing on time is very much uh, a part of the farm community. If you, uh, for example, uh, are growing or cutting hay, as an example, and that's usually a day or two, but if you leave it there for four or five days, you have the potential of hitting a rainy day, and then the hay is moldy. And then you can't put that in the barn. You have to let it dry. It's, it's it, it just consequences of an error leads to greater work, greater activities that's needed to repair or whatever. Uh, you, the other side of it is the mechanics. Uh, we had tractors, we had combines, we had we had uh, various types of tools we had to use just to keep things going. You couldn't bring it off to a mechanic and bring them and have them look after because uh, really money was tight. You, everything that went into the farm, every dollar had to be accounted for. And if you could fix it yourself or work around it, that is exactly what we did. And so from a standpoint of being very active and being very uh, multi-talented, so to speak, in terms of using different tools, uh, some we made mistakes. Um, <laughs> I know that. But uh, from the mistakes, we learned lessons. And as a result, we got better at it. And I think that's... Uh, you know, twenty. Well, my dad was uh, a dairy farmer for almost thirty years before he retired. Uh, so, uh, you know, that's that's the life that we had, and a lot of lessons learned uh, in the perseverance and, and uh, also in terms of uh, you know learning from your mistakes is a uh, kind of a key element of that.
0: Wow, it's um, I, I'm hearing a lot of qualities that you learned, a lot of values that you learned, toughening up. Being consistent, you know if you had to do something at five thirty it had to be done at five thirty there's consequences mm-hmm. you know financially as well as you know um, but it, it sounds like you've learned a lot of that and i actually I can relate to a lot of that too, and uh, not that I was a dairy farmer uh in any way, but growing up uh you know my my parents were my dad was actually he did farming you know back in the home country when he was young. And yeah, there's a lot of discipline that comes with it. And it translated when he came to Canada, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And it translated to how we grew up as well, right? Um, Not to say I followed it, that discipline, you know, up until I think I hit maturity around, you know, 27 or so, right? (laughs) When I realized, you know, consistency and, uh, you know, this toughness and this you Know being disciplined at things, I, I think there's a thing here, right? But uh, it sounds like you learned at a very early age, though,
1: right? Yeah, but I think I think your you're comment about at 27 <laughs> discovering it, uh, I, I might be a couple of years earlier than that, but,
0: <laughs> sounds uh, like seven, seven yeah.
1: Well, no, <laughs> there are many people who will tell you otherwise, <laughs> but uh, you know, the, the, the whole side of um. Uh, working in, in, on the dairy farm you, you made the comment about your, your parents immigrating into Canada um, that that was my parents so and so from a standpoint of uh, having really nothing and, and, and starting from scratch uh, and cutting um, and, and, and clawing your way through to build a family farm and, and, and that was their goal um, I, I think uh, just just understanding that the, what they had to go through, and as, as, as being part of the family, we were, I had five siblings, and I was the oldest. So needless to say, I, I was the first one to the barn, but the rest of them came very soon after that to help yeah. out. But uh, it, it, it was a family-focused. And so when you when you think about, oh, we worked day in and night, day out, you had no fun, we didn't. I don't remember having, um, thinking that we were in a bad shape. We actually were enjoying life. Mm-hmm. Um, we had time to play. We, you know, my uh, my father was a bit of a soccer player when he was in Holland, and uh, he would be we'd be kicking the ball in between you know the five minutes or the ten minute break we take, yeah. and you know it could be out in the middle of the field. Somehow that soccer ball showed up, and we'd be kicking it around for a little while. So uh, <laughs> we 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 found ways to have enjoying what we were doing, and uh, I think that's that's part of. Parcel. What I keep in mind is that whatever I'm doing, if I'm not enjoying it, if I, if it's something that it's not something that uh, I feel makes 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 me uh, better or happier or whatever the case may be, uh, why do I do it? What 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 else should I be doing, or what could I be doing? And I think that mm. thinking it from that perspective is is uh, is something that's got ingrained in me there pretty early. Mm.
0: So let's fast forward for a second to where you are now personally. Mm -hmm. You're retired? Yes. I I remember that. I heard you, right? Your dad (laughs) will be proud of me there, right? Um, But I remember being at your retirement party. It it was quite the occasion. And I I have to tell you now publicly, you know, on this podcast, that it was at that moment when I saw how many people attended your retirement, Dave, Mm -hmm. right? People flew in on their own dime. That's when I, I, I said to myself, you know, what kind of leader do I want to be? I want to be that leader where people will fly in for my retirement yeah. and on their own dime. And and that was probably the start of my 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 personal own um, finding purpose in what I'm doing, right? It's not just about titles, money. That's, I, I really put that aside uh, mm-hmm. much more because no one really cares. I mean, you're retired. No one cares what your title was. Right, but people care how you make them felt, right? And I know people still call you to this day asking for advice, David. Right? So I, I'm I'm curious about like you know now in retirement, how do you find purpose?
1: How do I find purpose? You know what? I, I, I obviously got access to some of your questions before, and I I was I was struggling with that one, and and the reason I was struggling with that it was, in um, uh, the retirement party was February of 2020 just before the pandemic broke loose. So March, 2020, all of a sudden we're starting to hear about this uh, pandemic coming and people shutting down and, you know, you know, put up the shutters on the windows. You know, we gotta, we gotta fight this thing. It's like, okay, I'm starting my retirement. I'm going to be locked up in the house for whatever period of time. And I, I had, I had to really think, you know, what, what, what can I find to do? And the purpose may have to be delayed for a while. <laughs> this is kind of the way I looked at it, but as it turned out, um, we, uh, I, I went through a lot of change right after that, uh, retirement. Uh, I had, um, got married, believe it or not, in the middle of a pandemic, uh, we're going to dig into that one in a second. Yeah. <laughs> um, I got married, uh, I sold two houses and I bought two houses in that period of time. So between between the, the the selling and the buying of houses, it was that that was that was basically my purpose was getting those things in place and walking through and and, and it kept kept me and and, and my wife very busy. Um, and so we're and, and in fact right now the house is under renovation uh, in terms of the last one we we've decided to say this is our forever house and um we're we're renovating it again uh to uh, i think in the next year will be basically where we'll be at that point um and then after that i think purpose is going to be focused more around our family um i think there is and, and we've talked about this before where travel is going to become a big part of what we would like to do um my wife used to be doing a lot of traveling worldwide Uh, i did travel but mostly in north america Uh, so we're looking at opportunities to go to like this past spring we went to costa rica uh last year we went to spain and we've 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 taken time out to do those types of things and beyond that um, there's a lot of um, volunteer work uh, availability for people to participate in volunteering in this area uh, that we've moved into and so uh, that is something that we are actively pursuing uh, right now you know it, you know it's a it's a breath of
0: fresh air Dave um, just mm-hmm. to think about like all the things you have going on and how you adapted especially when 2020 hit and uh, I call it the before right? <laughs> <laughs> before your retirement was the before, but, um, I, I, I do believe there, there was a lot of, um uh, you know, a lot of our lives, most of our life, like for myself too, um, I spend it at work
1: mm-hmm.
0: most of the time it's work. And yep. so I think about like, how would I, if I was to stop working one day, like you have, where would I find purpose? Right. So I guess like when, when you think about uh, how you transition in the funniest time to, uh, to retirement, what, what advice could you give people who are right now, let's just say early in their, their careers, 30s, 40s, 50s, whatnot, and they're thinking about retirement? What, what would you suggest for people to prepare for that, that next stage of life?
1: So at forty or fifty, you're thinking about retiring. Wow, you're you're really you're getting really planning ahead there. <laughs> I, I i like to plan some things. Most yeah. things now. <laughs> yeah, um, I think you know when when you're at forty and fifty, and again, I, I have to go back a few years to think about that. Um, it, it's 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 something that um, things like security, financial security, come to mind. Cause you're, you're, you're in the middle of your uh, 40, or 50, you're probably at kind of looking at your peak or close to your peak of earning cog ca- capability in terms of knowledge and experiences and bringing, bringing to the table and uh, building a financial security in terms of your, what's going to happen after that is, 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 is critical. Um, I think, and then this is one of those regrets I have in terms of my career is not spending enough time with the family, and I, I believe that if uh, if I had really paid more attention at that when I was like the forty to fifty range of my time at work, um, I, I I think uh, I would I would actually be I would be probably in a better place with that than I I really would want to be. Um, so uh, I, I think you have to focus on your family. You have to focus on your personal. Health, welfare, um, financial security. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking more to the person, personal side of it. From a business perspective, um, I think the whole aspect of you have now built up a, a, a war chest of, of networking opportunities. You've got a lot of contacts. So, as a result of not just people you work with, but also if you're in a customer facing role, or customer-facing support role, you have a lot of customers now. And, you know, some of the mentors and and, 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 and coaches that I've had in, in my past came from those customers. And uh, in terms of business value, in terms of personal value, in terms of personal um, success, I think some of the best advice I ever got was from the customer. And so uh, I, I think... Uh, when you're sitting at the 40 to 50 year range, um, you need to pull all those types of resources together. And so, you know, you can kind of lay out what your plan is for the next 10 to 15 years when Mm -hmm. you decide to retire. And, and, you know, we use the word retire. I'm not so sure that's, that's the best word. We're just looking at the next phase in our life. And that, that could be more work. It could be, you know, volunteering. Uh, It could be, uh, f- focus more on family. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's something else you're doing, not not, not necessarily uh, the word retired. Well, purpose,
0: as you were saying, right? Um yeah. We got to find our purpose still. Um, I, you mentioned family. You wish you spent more time with family, mm-hmm. but it sounds like you, you accomplish a, you know, one of the biggest deals in your life uh, during the pandemic. You said you got married. Yeah. <laughs> what, what do you, what can you
1: share about that? About getting married? Yeah, during oh. a pandemic. <laughs> um, you know, I, I I don't know how to say, how to phrase it. I did. I think I got lucky. Uh, and, and you know, everybody every, people think that uh, you go through life and you work for everything, and you know, it's it's by planning. You know, you got your goal, you've got it all set, and you know, take off the, the the check boxes of all the to dos and you're going to move forward. And uh, I, I have to say that one of the things that I I strongly believe is that I had a lot of luck through my career, being in the right place at the right time, having been had the right connection with the right people. Um, the situation with, uh, after retiring and meeting Sherry, uh, it, it's, it's actually funny. A person in our network, our joint network, uh, turned out to you know she said hey Dave, I'd like you to introduce you to somebody. Um and and then that's why she did it with uh, Sherry, and it was that network that brought us together. And you know it's it's like um, uh, hand in glove type of thing that it's just evolved and that it was uh, pretty well uh, exciting. Uh, and, uh, it's, it's kind of like a second, second term. Cause I, I, was married before, uh, for 33 years. And when, um, my wife uh, passed away due to cancer, um, and I went through a tough time after that, but as I was going through that, uh, period again, my network came to my rescue and got me involved and kept me active and. I wasn't sitting at home lamenting. Um, so I had a chance to uh again revitalize and as time passed and I went to I got invited to um vote an opportunity at Salesforce as a as a manager. So uh, I, I took that and then that again it's like what two little over two and a half years I was there. Um and then I really enjoyed that and it got my head around. Well from, from uh, going from uh, loss of a of, of a loved one to uh enjoying life again and that mm-hmm. that to me is you know uh, something that um, getting married and getting all this travel and everything else is it, it, it just kind of you know gets get you going again and i think that's that's what i i've, I've loved about the whole thing <laughs> and and wow. then getting married in the pandemic i know a lot of people were out there trying to get schedule, uh, places to, uh, to, uh, have their ceremony. And then all of a sudden, you know, you can't have the ceremony because, uh, so for us, it was just, it was just, uh, a, a good friend and, and a former employee of mine, uh, offered his, uh, doc. Mm-hmm. And w- just, just the four of us, uh, with, with, with the officiant, um, we had a ceremony that, that, that to me was, uh, the sacrifice on on the part of uh, the, the, my friend yeah and, mm-hmm. and his wife and 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 it was a wonderful event and, and it's something that's going to be stuck in our mind forever to be uh, to be blunt so i think you, you make you you have tragedies that you don't just sit and worry about you know reach out to your network reach out to to people around you and you'd be surprised very surprised as to how quickly you can work through it well, thank you
0: for sharing that, Dave. Um, that's, a, that's a wonderful story. It's, uh, this might be the same friend we're talking about said to me one, uh, years ago, sometime, uh, actually a lot of times an opportunity will come knocking, but you won't be ready for that opportunity. Yeah. You're not looking. So be ready. <laughs> and Yeah, we're it's, talking it's, about the same guy. I think, I think we're talking about the same guy. Right, uh, both of us uh, uh, respect this person. Yeah. Um, well, look, uh, it it sounds like a you know, you know, a lot of what you've been through in your life. It's it started on the dairy farm, toughening you up, mm-hmm. driving consistency, the the the, the, the discipline, the five thirty every morning milking the cows. I, I do want to transition now, um, talking about more of the the professional side of of Dave Tunders And you Mm -hmm. mentioned, you know, you went from the dairy farm to construction to uh, discovering a mainframe. So um, let's talk about mainframes for a second. And then, you know, for the folks out there listening to this who might not know the approximate time period of when a mainframe actually existed. uh, Talk to
1: folks about that. Like, what's this mainframe thing? Well,
0: I do know uh, what it is.
1: Yes, I know you do. (laughs) Um Gordon Moore passed away just in the last few days, I think. And if yes. anyone's Moore's uh, Law. Moore's Law, if anyone's followed that, it's kind of an amazing trek and you know, starting in the fifties and right through to the seventies and in the early eighties. i do no know yeah, mid seventies. Um mainframes were the these clunking big machines that filled an entire room and you had air conditioning, um, systems (laughs) pumping out all the heat that was being created by these things. And, and those very same mainframes in terms of computing power probably would fit now into one of these. Yeah. Um, and so from the standpoint of evolution of, of the chip and, and the, uh, uh, growth in terms of computer usage. Initially, it was used as an accounting machine. Uh, now, people are thinking, how can I apply it in terms of databases and applications and building applications that could be distributed? Those those were the kinds of thought process that were still very early in the uh, mid six mid eighteen uh, mid eighties, uh, um, and that was uh, eighty. 80, no, sorry, seventy, seventy-eight. I think is when I uh, started working with computers um, at, at 3M, and I had a very unique situation where I was not part of the IT department. I was hired by the financial uh, controller of the company here in, in Canada, mm-hmm. and they had this thing called time sharing. And time sharing was basically you rented time on a mainframe. And you could build whatever applications using whatever tools, productivity tools you could have. And my goal or my mandate was to help all these accountants put together little programs that allowed them to be a little more efficient in terms of I don't have to sit here in front of a calculator and type in all the the, the numbers and get the final total. Now I can run that through that little program on the computer. Um, That was for four years, just this whole concept of time sharing and the ability for users to talk about and access, um, power that'll make their job a little easier. And, you know, compared to some of the things we do today, it's, we, we may think of it as being nothing, but to them at that time, it was huge. And, yeah.
0: and what, what, um, I mean, were these a punch card day still, or were you using, you know, No, we were, we were using,
1: using the terminals, green, green screen terminals and, um. So from that standpoint, uh, toward the end of the, my career with 3M, before I moved to Toronto, um, we had our first computer laptop come in. And that laptop was probably about half the size of my desk. Wow. But it, it wasn't a laptop, to, top, but, uh, as far as I was concerned. But there was this product called VisiCalc that had been released to run on these little uh, desktops. And that became the first spreadsheet. That so I'm I'm coming from a from a period in time when we were dealing with with the first first uh, generation of of uh, spreadsheets, and mm-hmm. Microsoft very quickly thereafter with Excel and so forth, and they evolved. But what was interesting about that was that it, we we really started to see different uses for the computer. It was it wasn't just now an accounting machine; it was also tracking projects. We were able to document terms of tasks and then publish those tasks on a piece of paper from a, from a very slow printer. <laughs> so, um, so when I went to uh, Toronto and moved in with Clarkson Gordon, uh, my mandate on the hiring was to build a partner management system, which is basically the accounting books for the partnership. Um, and the key was to build a data dictionary. Now, I'm using probably terms that <laughs> makes no sense, but for for right now, the data dictionary is just a descriptor of of what the data is, and as a result, metadata, metadata,
0: data is the data,
1: data is right. the data, and <laughs> yep. I put this all and wrote it in a little product called Focus, a company, uh, company called Information Builders, and it was something mm. that they had never seen done, um, for whatever reason, how whatever. Uh, process I went through, uh, they had never seen it being done before. And I said, like, it made sense to me. Um, At that point, the information builders offered me a job to come in there and help them build uh, and qualify what was where we could take it from there. Um, And it was about that time when I was starting to get introduced to different types of old 3M, Clarkson Gordon, it's very hierarchical, very, you know, you, you didn't do anything beyond what you were told to do. Um when we worked with uh, uh, information builders, this is the first time you've ever heard of the term system engineer, SE. Uh, mm-hmm. So from that standpoint, it was a pre-sales role, and I would be helping customers understand how they could use the tool, the focus tool at that time.
0: Yeah. And Dave, for the folks who don't know out there, maybe just briefly explain what a pre-sales or systems engineer ah, actually okay. does.
1: I was, I was, I may have made an assumption that this was going to be focused on coaching, but you're. Uh, this this is this this is for the world. Okay. You're on the world stage right now, Dave. <laughs> oh yes. <yeah. laughs> I, yeah. I, I'm well, sure
0: you didn't plan that in retirement. No.
1: No. Um, no maybe. Um, I, no, I won't say that. That, that. that there could be still possibilities. The opportunity um, might hit you. You're just not ready for it. Just We'll 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 see you and we'll roll with the. With, with, the, the, with the punches, I guess is the, the word they use. Uh, systems engineer, a pre-sales system engineer um, is a very, what I would call a technical individual who understands computing, who understands how to build applications in most cases, um, who really understands the product that the, the computer software company is bringing to market. Um, they help the sales organization as as we all know, nobody trusts the salesman, but they do trust the person who technically will tell you how it works. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it's an important role in the sales process. And whether you're talking about de- presenting what can be done, building something. Uh, and as time progressed, we, as system engineers, we were able to build things, pretty complex applications um and and roll them out as as uh as demos or as prototypes and as years passed this become very uh, strong sales tool um for organizations to build credibility around whatever the software that they were selling and th- th- this this is a a role that was not fee-based uh we've tried to put dollars against it to just to say you know this is what it really would have cost if you had done this by yourself. Uh, But uh, from a standpoint of supporting the sales strategy, sales programs that we put into place, and also from a standpoint of uh, customer facing, constantly in front of the customer, and and, uh, educating, training, and listening, and understanding where we could potentially help them. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you want to add to that, David. All right. You, you know, you know a lot about this, right? It's not about no. me today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but when you are talking about current audience, <laughs> not an audience from thirty years ago. <laughs> well,
0: no, I, I think the definition hasn't really changed, right? And no. you know, obviously that that role where you know you are basically the translator of taking very complex concepts and software and technology and translating it to a business audience and helping yes. them understand in layperson terms what this is. We can make an iPhone as complicated as you want, right? We can go into the bits and bytes, right? But the beauty of someone like Steve Jobs is that he's both technical, but he was also able to translate this to a world audience and make it relatable. That's mm-hmm. what a good solution engineer, sales engineer, system engineer is able to do, right? In yeah. essence, um, depending on the company where you're in, right, it, it can vary. I've been in uh, uh, roles, pre-sales roles where it was very technical. Right, and I appreciated that. Right, um, then there's other roles where it's more, more of a consultant uh, t- type of role. Right, where mm-hmm. you have to understand the technology well. So, so that that's why I would add on to you know what what you're saying there. But the, the essence of the role hasn't really changed, and it's changed my life. I can tell you, right, um, it's changed my life a lot and my traje- trajectory of my career um, and my
1: leadership uh, career as well. Right, right, and the opportunities. As a system engineer, a sales engineer, um, we, for many years, we debated internally in terms of sales men, uh, engineering management teams, how do we define a career path for system engineers? And, and that was part and parcel of one of the challenges of, of a manager. In, 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 in all the years that I've, different companies that I've worked with, we've, we've all had the same challenge is how do we establish a person's need to grow, to acknowledge successes um, and, and have them opportunity to expand their knowledge? Because these people are technical. They, they, they really want to continue their growth and their knowledge in, in most cases. Um, some of them actually may become salespeople. Um, I haven't seen too many successes of that transition, but it does happen. Um, where you go from technical customer believes everything you say to a salesperson where, no, I want to talk to the techie. I don't want to talk to the person <laughs> carrying the sales card. Yeah. So anyway, that, that's uh, thank you for the addition there. But, yeah. um, so, so that, that was the role I had at information builders and, and I was starting to, uh, work, it was a very small group. There's like, there's three, three of us in Canada. For, for this organization at the time. And the company was looking to expand across Canada uh, six offices, I think we ended up with, and so forth. And And at the time, the SE the manager um, was very much focused on the local uh, uh, area, Toronto. And um, I spent a lot of time with the sales exec who was running Canada at the time and doing different uh, sales calls and, and being part of his visiting customers and so forth. And um, he was probably one of my most influential mentors of my career. Um, he was a former Syncom uh, sales manager. Syncom uh, was the first database to run on a mainframe um, after IBM's DB2 uh, product. Relational product, sorry. It was relational mm. product. Um, and so he had a lot of experience in this High tech industry in the sales side, and there were so many things that he told me as we were traveling together and and highlighting, you know, things, you know, the simplest simplest thing of traveling, um, mm-hmm. you know, always have a backup uh, shirt and pants in your luggage that you're carrying on because <laughs> you have no idea if that bags in, that you've checked is going to arrive, and so you know little little things like that. It it, it was it was kind of interesting, but the 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 biggest one that he passed on to me was the whole aspect of the customer. If the customer has a need and you have a solution that potentially could solve that need, you just need to prove that it that's what it is um if If the customer doesn't have a need but let, let's let's move on <laughs> like mm-hmm. the customer will respect that you don't waste their time yeah and now that to me is listening to the customer understanding what the business pain was and to see if we had a solution. And if we didn't have the solution, move on. Um, mm. that, that was, that was kind of the, the, the big lesson from, uh, from, from Larry. But the thing, the thing that I think is, uh, getting to know him and understand his management style. Um, and, and he was very much focused on mentoring people all the time.
0: Mentoring,
1: um, yeah. So, he, uh, he, he was kind of my first, um, uh, uh, positive influence in terms of management, and 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 the, kind of got me thinking about you know is this something I could do uh, mm-hmm. to manage people because uh, the individual who was the manager at the time was going through challenges at the time and uh, had decided to move on, um, so I was mm-hmm. asked to start hiring, and between my mentor and myself, I think we opened up within two years six offices. And had wow. over sixty people in 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 Canada at that first couple of years. Then we were managing, and that's that was kind of my first foray into management. And first... and, and 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 it's it's a growth. It, it it was a startup, for all intents and purposes. Uh, it was well established in the states, but uh, the sales offices in Canada were unknown at the time. So we built a, a pretty pretty good base. Um, it's still in place. As far as I checked last time, Information Builders is still, it's, it's actually called InfoBuild here in Canada. But yep. from the standpoint of, it still exists. And it's a private company. So the the, the beauty of the private company is you get to know the owner. Mm-hmm. And that was, I guess, the other aspect of Information Builders is understanding kind of what drives the software company and how to work within it. And that, to me, was uh, a positive. But I I will say that it was the information builders was the start of something that um, in some ways I've regret and that is I took my eyes off family. I was so busy in terms of the Mm. startup process. Um, I would be leaving, um, on the road first thing, Monday morning or Sunday night, and I'd be flying back in on Friday night and that, that trying to crunch a family time into that weekend was one of the toughest things I could have done. Um, so this is, this, this is, it's a continued regret through through the years that I was uh, working. Um, and uh, I could have probably done a better job there, but that's, that's something for new managers and then for you know people who are in the 40 50 range. this is, this is something you, you, I, I would say you need to focus on. you need to um, prepare yourself to be able to balance that. Um, because it's going to impact you later, regardless of what 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 you think right now, it's going to impact you later if you don't.
0: So, so if you don't mind to dig into that, you you, you mm-hmm. mentioned the word regret is something you regret. So, if you had to go back and do it, what would you do differently?
1: It's time management, um, the the, the the whole aspect of of, of the the getting on a plane on Friday on Monday morning and coming back on, on Friday afternoon was basically, uh, r- relatively, um, uh, uh, as, uh, assumed it was expected by, by management. And I think what I would have done differently is, is really kind of focus on trying to understand exactly what's driving that and how I can make adjustments so that, uh, either we, Place people who are closer to the requirement and the customers, um, or be able to facilitate a uh, uh, an agreement that would highlight the terms of that These are the kind of the boundaries. And in, and in, and honestly, I would have included my spouse as part of that conversation. This was just imposed on us. It, it wasn't something that you know over time we we quickly had agreed that this was going to. There was no really. Um, time spent in terms of understanding the dynamics of that. Um, and that's, that's and then I, I, I take, I take exception to that from the standpoint of it was my fault for doing that. So that's again, yeah. Uh, involving her as part of the conversation. So we have an understanding of kind of where the pressures are and why, and then getting my management to understand and and, and we work through how we might be able to address that.
0: Yeah, it's uh, boundaries. That's a mm-hmm. uh, that's that's a conversation I have a lot um, with uh, with team members, as well as myself. By the way, right? I'm no exception. Right? I have to yeah. have that conversation. You know, especially like with things changing constantly, restructuring, whatever it might be. Right? Like the world's always changing. Um, there, there, are certain boundaries that are always going to be pushed. Right. Mm-hmm. And and I. I understand what you say. Like I, I personally, I try to be very conscious about boundaries. Like there are certain boundaries that can't be crossed. Right. Like what is, you know, we talk about negotiating, you know, what's your, what's your bottom. Right. But when it translates to your life, right. In a, the negotiation of life, we don't, some, some of us or a lot of us. Right. Sometimes we, we have to stop and think, well, what is that bottom that can't be crossed? Right. Mm-hmm. And when do I walk away? Um, now you know, I, but like yourself, like I think a lot of it's just a discussion with folks, finding options, finding alternatives. Right? There's always an alternative. Yeah, it's a matter of will it be accepted? Right? Um,
1: but the the, the 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 side the other side of that, uh, David, is that um, you ha- you have to be, you have to know what your limits are, and what your do you say your boundaries. Um, you have to be prepared. To make the decision that that's a boundary I'm not going to cross, and I I <laughs> I think one of the things that I've discovered over the years is that there's no such thing as there's no other job out there. There's always something there, and especially yeah. with talent in the te- in the technology industry. uh, yeah. Whether you're talking pre-sales, or post-sales, or sales, or 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 development, whatever the case may be, there's always a role out there yeah. and it's just a matter of deciding kind of the role that you have versus the role that you can get uh, or yeah. can find what, what will satisfy your goals uh, and your values. Uh, yeah. I think, I think that's, I've, I've, I've seen people make that decision yeah, and and leave, leave the company because uh, they felt that that it was infringing on a boundary that they were not willing to cross. And so, yeah. You, and the company has to respect that, yeah. you know, it's, well, I respect the individual as yes. well, right.
0: For yes. being confident and understanding where their boundaries are, because, you know, as we, how, how we started this whole chat was about, you know, finding purpose in retirement, no one really cares at the end of the day, how many more deals you closed. Right. <laughs> really. Right. And, and no. honestly, like I, I reflect on it right now and I've, I've seen you know, friends and family friends where it, you know, the, they're still reminiscing about the good old days, quote unquote, right. From 30, 40 years ago. And it's, it's like the, you know, proverbial movie where, you know, the guy is talking about his high school football days. Right. And, you know, that's was was glory day. I, that scares me, honestly, Dave, you know, to to if I end up doing that and I'm conscious not to do that, um, which is why I, you know, this is actually kind of cathartic to talk about it, right? Because mm. I know where my boundaries are, personally, right? Um, and, you know, fortunately, I work for leadership, and I work for an organization that respect it, right? And, and I'm very thankful for that, uh, honestly. But um, but like, as you said, it's, it's just a job at the end of the day, and it doesn't define me. It doesn't define who I am. My care, my kids don't care where I work. They just care that, Hey daddy, you're home. Awesome. Uh, But you know, the traveling story, you know, it reminds me of Dave when at one point when I was an individual contributor, I was traveling so much. First of all, I had points, uh, you know, status. The the more important thing was my son was very young at the time. He's a teenager now. At one point he was like, you know, he was like, Oh daddy, you're going again. Where are you going? He was so young. And and I came to a point where he's like, I was like, son, I'm, I'm leaving. Okay, I'll see you when you're home, Dad. <laughs> and I was like, oh, crap. I'm traveling too much. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, and that's when you're like, all right, something's got to give now, right? Something's got to change. Um, so yeah, that that feeling, you know, it's, it's, stuck, it's stuck with me to this day when my son just turns his back. He's, you know, two, three years old at the time. And he's like, okay, I'll see you when you're home.
1: Yeah. Was, that um, sucked. There's a That's, story that broke my heart. There's a story in Information Builders. It's, um, there was a, a VP of marketing, and he had a beard, and uh, he was always on the road, constantly traveling. And one day he came into work and said, "I, I need to go down one level, or I'm going to be looking for another role somewhere else. That doesn't allow me to travel as much." So when he was asked why, he relayed the story that the this is a Monday that that the previous Friday he arrived home, uh, got out of the taxi from flying in, came out of the taxi and his son was sitting on the lawn, and the neighbor was outside, um, and the, the the child ran to the neighbor saying, "Daddy." <laughs> the neighbor had a daddy, daddy, da, dad had the beard, but so did the neighbor. It's, um, that, that was one of those sobering moments. Yeah, <laughs> that's how we say, but, uh, yeah, yeah.
0: I, uh, yeah. And unfortunately, Dave, I, I think it takes, when I mean, times are good. I think you just take things for granted. Yeah. Right. And, 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 it's, you know, uh, I'll give you another one of my philosophies, like, um, you know, getting recommendations from people. Right, I don't do it in in bad times when I'm desperate. I'm doing it when I'm happy in my job. Right, I keep it up. When I was early in my career, uh, during the dot bomb <laughs> crash, yep. right that that was my first job in a startup. Um, you know, one day it's like, hey, welcome to the team, Dave. Next day it's, uh, we can't pay you all. You know, can you just hold off for another month? And you're like, oh crap. Uh, then it became today's everyone's last day. Mm -hmm. Right. And it taught me a big lesson early in my career. Always have a resume polished and ready to go. Right. And do it when you're happy. Do it when times are good, because when times are bad, you're not going to have the right state of mind
1: to to do this right.
0: I I would add something to that.
1: This this isn't, this isn't just uh, a uh, resume. This, this, this is, this is part of your network um and, and 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 reaching out to that network on a regular basis whether the good time or bad time it, it usually you'll, you'll get those calls anyway and the bad time but when the good times are going it's 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 building credibility also within the uh the network that you have um this is a very small industry contrary to what some people might say um you know, I, I, I could probably say there's about 200. When when I became an SC for the first time, we probably could have counted probably about 200 people were, what I would I would say qualified as SEs out there. Um, there's a lot more now. Um, the whole advent of social networking and <laughs> and and uh, stay at home, uh, uh selling. It's, it's, it's obviously increased the volumes that we have to deal with. But uh, I, I find keeping that network aware in terms of what, where, where your successes are, your accomplishments, even if it's verbal, I, mm-hmm. I honestly believe, and, and it, it, I, I think I'm a good example of that, is that when you uh, leave a company or have decided to make a change, uh, it's it's not a matter of I gotta wait months or, or or years to wait find that that next job. It's you know in most cases it turned around in like three weeks, four weeks. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, and I was looking forward to a long vacation, and next thing I know, I have this lot of offer. Um, so <laughs> oh, it sucks for I, 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 you. It starts. Yeah, start all over again. <laughs> yeah. Um.
0: Well, actually. <laughs> We'll decide if we want to edit this next question out, okay? (laughs) Oh. (laughs) But um, you know what? You said you had this mentor of yours. I remember us years ago having a conversation about um, loose lip sync ships. And (laughs) you talked about um, how you you and some salesperson were sitting Ah. on an airplane. And then the competing company was sitting right in front of you talking about their plan. You, do you remember that?
1: Yeah. Uh, no that that's that's the my mentor um, really uh, the idea of him mentoring me was whenever and 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 however we were or wherever we were in front of the customer in front of a plane on you know driving from a rental there was always something that he kind of highlighted or picked out or or whatever and this flight was from Toronto to Vancouver so it was a long flight mm-hmm. and We were sitting there and I was, I had my laptop and I was doing something. And then, and Larry reached over and just closed the laptop. And I was like, what? And then he says, we're not talking business. We're not talking about who we're, I was going, why? It's like, just get your pen and paper out. Okay. So I got my pen and paper out and he kind of leans over and he says, the two guys ahead of us, they're our competition. He knew the sales rep for our company, our major competition, uh, a company called ramus um and, and and he says listen to what they're saying and they were talking about their strategies of their visits of all the companies they were visiting in vancouver the next day <laughs> so we're we're writing down who they're visiting and when because they were they were putting calendars and uh and writing it up and we literally when we landed larry went right to the phone called up all these individuals because It's a a small world in terms of who's selling what to whom and then kind of the products that we're selling. So he called them up and we were able to get in front of and visit the customer before the Ramis sales rep showed up. So they had a conversation with us and it was, I think it was about a year or two years later, the, this individual, the sales rep from Ramis uh, was looking for a job. So he was interviewing and, um. <laughs> his his, his commentaries. I just can't, I can't believe what you guys can do. Because there's this one time that wherever we went, you were already there and you had already closed on us. He says like I don't know how you did it, but you guys were fantastic. It's like yeah, <laughs> we uh, you 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 have to take into consideration everything you see and hear, but you also have to be aware of what's around you, and uh, that that was. You know, especially when people travel as much as they do, or mm-hmm. did, um, I, I think uh, you have to be conscious of people around you. Yeah, yeah. yeah
0: those those are probably the, the the fun some of the fun stories from uh, from your past, and it reminds <laughs> me of a story too, where this is years ago too, I was on site with a rep and one of our largest competitors shall remain unnamed. Uh, We were going to go easy. Uh, We weren't going to even name our competitors. We knew it was a head-to-head presentation. But uh, the sales rep got there before me, basically overheard in the conference room while she was waiting outside the presentation of our competitor to the committee. And then she calls me as I'm on my way there, says, Fung, we're going to lay it on thick. I go, what do you mean? Those bastards are over there presenting right now and I hear every word they're saying and they're, they're throwing garbage about us, right? So I'm like, all right, cool. I'll put my dancing shoes on. And we went in there and we, uh, we laid it on thick. It's like, oh, so what they probably said to you right before this was this. Well, that's false, right? So we knew everything that they said, right? So it's not exactly the same, right? But uh, no. I, th- I guess the story there is uh, soundproof your rooms. If you're going to have a head to head.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but expect, expect, expect what you don't expect. It's not the way, that's not the way you should say it, but uh, expect the unknown. Um, I have another little uh, story where um, we were selling to the government and competing on uh, bids for, from the federal government. And Um, the government had arranged that all the competitors or the the people who were presenting their solutions for this project was four days long. And each one day, each one. The thing is, is that it was well known that most of the sales reps from the different companies were from out of town. So they would have to stay at a hotel and they would stay typically at the Weston Hotel in Ottawa. And so our sales rep, the day before, would call up uh, in the evening and cancel the reservation of the team that was presenting the next day. That's evil. That (laughs) is evil. (laughs) Needless to say that (laughs) disrupted the people when they came in to to, to, to check in. But yeah, you have to think about that. that There's many ways that you can be uh, torpedoed or you can, you know, uh, people can kind of set traps for you uh, on the way, but that's, that to me is, is, mm-hmm. is part of the selling part yeah. of it. Yeah. That's not fair. Is It's not a, it's not a valid uh, cry. It's just, okay, you have to roll with it. So, you know, they, they tried yeah. to do the same thing to us. So, so it, it was, it was something that we were prepared for Yeah, um, and, and, and not to get upset about it because yeah. what they're really trying to do is get your goat. And, yeah. and so that you're not up to your A game when you Step into that room. So yeah. um, expect expect that to happen. Expect something something's going to go wrong. Just don't don't t- take uh, quick action. Just think about it. Work through kind of okay. How do I get around this? How you know what's important to me is is kind of the thing that I would I would highlight here.
0: So Dave, what what I respect about you is how you keep such a straight face, and you're so laissez-faire about how you ruined people's sleep right? <laughs> how you how you destroyed the competition right I, I mean if even if you weren't the one canceling it you were you're were a party to that uh oh yeah to that crime there right yeah. so
1: yeah well just not just knowing that it was happening that was that was bad enough all right, all right, yeah. So you you say it with
0: a straight face, but perhaps that's uh, you know, that's the dairy farmer in you. Uh, you know, the, t- the toughened up and just suck it up, Buttercup, yes. right? I can,
1: I can give you some stories <laughs> in that one.
0: Well, well, I I do want to move forward. Actually, uh-huh. let's let's talk about um, your, you know, you're you're talking about good mentors in life, expecting the unexpected, um, in 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 career, your career as well in as in your life let's talk about your your leadership uh, career um I, I do want to see if you can impart on 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 the audience today like you know in leadership what what memorable failures I, i'm not going to ask about your successes we already talked about that canceling reservations screwing the competition let's talk about some of your biggest failures and where you where you're willing to go there and let's see if you can say it
1: with a straight face that would be even more, mm. more fun to see. You Did know, it? I, I had that was one of my bigger challenges. Is, is, is do I have any of those? Oh, you never <laughs> failed?
0: Okay. Humility should go into those uh, your qualities.
1: Actually. Oh, oh, there you go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't yeah. make mistakes. It's not no, me. No, no, it's, <laughs>
1: it's, um, well, I'm, I'm delaying here because I'm trying to collect my thoughts on it. <laughs> um, biggest mistake I think I've, and, and it's not, it didn't happen once. It happened more than once. And as a manager, that will, will happen, um, is, uh, hiring the wrong person. And it has a double effect on your, on you and your team. One, you now have a, if you have a misfit, um, and I apologize for the words I'm using here, but, uh. Uh, a person who does not uh, fit the role or cannot perform on the role. Um, uh, first of all, you are now in, you, you are invested in making me either win or, or, or be succeed, or now you have to work your plan to get him out. Mm-hmm. And the, that's one part of it. The second part of it is the team that you are hiring this individual into. And and, and I'm not just speaking about the other SEs that report to you. I'm also talking about sales reps. I'm talking about all of the people who are impacted by that person's role. And so from that standpoint, to me, that would be my greatest failures. And I I use a plural um, because that happened more than once. And I think, you know, why did it happen? not taking the time to fully qualify. Um, and, and again, the manager takes responsibility, 100% responsibility for this hire. So from the standpoint of um, the last person to check the box, it needs to be fully aware of all the things that occurred in the conversations. And um, when you are growing, for example, I'll take the VMware, I'll take the uh, Siebel, information builders, um, situations where these things happened, we were, we were fast growth, Mm -hmm. real fast. You know, I was, I was hiring three, four people a month. Mm -hmm. Um, now the pipeline you have to go through to get to those three or four people is huge. And we still have this limited number of people that are out there in this industry who have experience. Um, and, and, and we were being motivated to build the teams as quickly as possible, because that's the growth that we were looking to, to get into quickly, uh, the revenue growth and customer-based growth and, and beat the competition, uh, in terms of certain areas that we were being underrepresented. And as a, as a result, we took shortcuts, um, and because we took those shortcuts, we left the p- p- potential of a misfit coming into the play. And that, that to me, uh, it's very expensive, and, and I don't mean about the hiring cost. I'm, I'm not talking about the long term. Your time, your team's time, people who are impacted by that morale, morale, yeah. and morale is, uh, is, is that's a good good one to call out because uh, um, challenges challenges occur in terms of when people see the wrong person, and they and, and your your team knows it, they they, they know it. Yeah. It's 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 kind of. One of those things, and how did I try and resolve to make sure that they didn't happen? I started getting people involved in the interview process that were on the team, uh, senior members and in, in, in most cases um, who have been in that role or have who uh, were part of uh, the team that was being focused on. Uh, so for, as a result, I think that helped reduce um, the bad hires numbers, but I also I also think it gave an opportunity for to, to mentor the SE that I brought in. Um, there's there's something that I really strongly believe in uh, as a manager. You're you're only as good as your succession plan because things will change. Uh, the, the the rate of change in, in our organizations is, is is phenomenal in terms of the industry. I should say potentially have a pr- promotion opportunity or restructuring occurs and, and now you you're moved off to another group. Um, like that never happened at Salesforce. Um, then you have the, um, uh, opportunity from a standpoint of being promoted. Um, you're helping some other SEs recognize the fact, is this a job that I would like if, if, if from a, from a, from a growth perspective or, um, uh, Taking some other perspectives in terms of, hey, I was thinking I want to be a manager, but not after what I've just gone through. I don't I don't want to go through the headache of, the, of hiring somebody. I prefer to be more involved in the project or a technical activity or whatever the case may be. It, it helps solidify path, career paths to, to involve those people. So I think um, that's how I was able to try and drive the, the number of mistakes down. You're still going to make a mistake. Yeah, it's, involving it's other
0: people, involving in, in, other in other the people, hiring so. hiring process, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it, it's 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 very interesting. Um, I remember talking to this one individual years ago. like 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 yourself. I've I've been on a hyper growth uh, situation, right? Um, yeah, starting with a team of like less than a, I can count them on one hand to like having you know over thirty people in
1: in a and and that was direct. Yeah. Management. Yeah. Well,
0: yeah. Uh, well, it went from direct management to like, you know, hybrid, uh, you know, first line and second line. And then it went to peer second line. And that, um, that, that was crazy, but it was some of the best lessons ever, right? Mm-hmm. Like hiring the wrong person. I have this unofficial ratio I, I share with folks out of 10 people you hire, no matter how good your hiring process is, you're going to have at least 10%, one out of the 10 that it's just not going to work out, and it's sometimes it's beyond your control, right? That person could be the right person at the moment, but for whatever reason, life circumstances, their motivations, whatever it might be, things change in people's lives, and it might not be the right job for them you mm-hmm. year in, right? Mm-hmm. And but like yourself, it's uh, I mentioned morale, like the long term morale is you know one of the biggest lessons I learned was. If you don't deal with problems early and mm-hmm. and and your team doesn't see visibly, even if you are dealing with it, they got to see that you're dealing with it, right? Because that affects morale long-term, right? Yep. Now, obviously within boundaries, there's only certain things you can disclose. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can win a battle, you know, a proverbial battle with a lot of motivation and hype. That's one battle. But the long-term grind of things, if you don't have morale... Mm-hmm you could take a lot of A players and they'll be, you know, grinded into the ground because they're covering for someone who's not pulling their weight for whatever reason. Right. Right. So, but these are some good lessons here, uh, uh, Dave Um, succession plan, involving people in the hiring process. Um, I, I am curious, like what about for yourself? Like when you think about a memorable coaching moment, you've given someone else in leadership. You as a leader, mm-hmm. delivering to someone else what what comes up when I, when I ask
1: you that? Um, there was a, an individual uh, which one would, would this be this would be I have to actually look Siebel um, one of the things that uh, Siebel had. all other SEs do is give what they call a technical architecture pitch. It was one of the certification processes for uh, promotions and things like that for sales engineers. And um, I had a particular individual who kind of mailed it in. I I traveled in in to get his certification um, because at the time we didn't really have things like Zoom or Anything that would work remotely, so I, I literally had to fly in to see. So this. this
0: whole hybrid work thing, remote work thing, that that never existed, huh?
1: Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me see here. When did that start? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that, that's that's relatively new technology, <laughs> relative to other things. Believe me, it's, yeah. Uh, I don't know if I would really uh, uh, sign up for it. To, to be honest with you because uh the personal interaction the body language the the measurement of per- a person once they step outside of the controlled environment th- th- those are things that are part of your conversation part of your getting to know people and yeah. that that's that's on in person and you knew it use it sparingly when, when, because of financial or, or because of, uh, you know, the way the company wants to operate. Uh, but uh, I think it's still valid. Um, anyway, he, I made this uh, this trip and uh, there was like three people I was going to be certifying on this, pre- this presentation. Um, and the first two went through pretty quickly, uh, but I, I was comfortable with where, where they were at. And I know uh, the individual that we mutually knew managed this in these individuals. So from that standpoint, I felt comfortable that they were gonna be looked after. Um, but this other individual just stood up there and mailed it in. And about halfway through, I got up and I said, uh, you're gonna do it over again. And you know, here, here's my observation. Uh, there was two, two items that I said to, to him. They had nothing to do with the presentation. It was him walking back and forth and I said, I literally could, I could literally map out on the floor where he stepped. And he was going back and forth as he was talking. Um, he wasn't paying attention to the audience. And that was the second part of it. And so he's kind of like, oh. So he went back and said, now, now we went through it. He corrected a couple of items. And about halfway through, I stopped him again. And we're now running about four o'clock. I had a six o'clock flight. Hiding home, and um, I, I went through it again, kind of the points that I was trying to make, and see if he would adapt to it. And he did very nicely. Um, and then he went, did his third trial. I kind of stopped him again halfway through, and he's looking at me. He's like, "What? You, you got a six o'clock flight." <laughs> he, he wasn't thinking about, okay, what, what am I doing wrong? What, you know, how do I improve? And, you know, I, I need to get my information now. Because really, I, I would have to fly back in, and I said that, that's okay. I, I can fly out tomorrow. We can be here all night until you get it right. It wasn't. It wasn't until he, like he, we got it right the, the next time. But I let him get off it, and it wasn't until uh, it was a, about a year later uh, he came to me and he says that was probably the best thing that he'd ever gone through because it really forced him to understand what my problems were and not necessarily with the topic or whatever, but listening to kind of how I was critiquing him and why I was critiquing him and preparing him to be able to deliver this presentation as if he's the expert and mm-hmm. using simple presentation techniques to put emphasis on the right things and right focus and so forth. And, um, and he, he was so appreciative of that a year later. He was, and I just just kind of like I was just doing my job, yeah, giving giving him the mentorship that he needed to be successful. To 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 me, that the sense of accomplishment I felt that day, not the day he told me this, I I felt that um, you know it it, it's something that I got out of it, and it's a reminder that you know I got to stick to my guns. I I, I've been in his program for a while, so uh, I know I know what works. So let's make sure he does.
0: Well, well, you know, and when you relay that story, it, it, it sounds like it, it was an individual who, I'm making, I'm making assumptions here, Dave. Mm-hmm. It sounds like this individual might not have gotten that feedback in the past, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, and and in fact, they they sound like they're possibly very teachable, right? They just never had the coaching, the mentorship, the, mentorship. the leadership yeah. to guide them in the right way, right? And, and I, I do want to, I'm not a rant, but you know, I, I do have a thing around that, you know, a sore spot there where um your your you know, your job is to coach people, right? It is to make people better. It is to make it's another quote that really sticks with me is like a, a great coach or mentor is someone who tells you not what you want to hear is what you need to hear. Need to hear. Right. And it can be done in a very kind way, a firm but kind way. It's like, hey, you're not cutting it, and here's why, right? And I want to help you improve. Um, And here's the things let's work together. And like what you said, I have all night, right? I'm committed to doing this all night with you (laughs) if we have to. Um, But I I guess like when when you, I think this flows into my next question for you, Dave, is when you are looking at good leaders, right? What are some of the common qualities that they have that you look for? They say don't hire in your image.
1: So <laughs> we got oh, to avoid didn't that. Hire
0: me because we clearly look alike. <laughs> we have the same name.
1: So. Uh, same name. <laughs> I think there's kind of I, I go back to kind of my values, and, and and you you can go through a list of items in terms of kind of what you're looking for as a manager. You can do you are are they intuitive? Uh, do they have a sense of t- integrity? Do they um, have confidence? Is, is is something that comes to mind um, but there, there's three things that I that I really do look for and I I, I feel it's part of my my DNA one is um, compassion you need to spend time with people you need you need to understand what drives them what doesn't drive them um, and and understand kind of what their reality is like um, on the personal level Um, on the business side of it, integrity, trust, uh, honesty, like actually those three kind of meld together a little bit, um, from a business perspective and, and also from a personal, uh, you can apply it to, it should be applicable to personal and business in terms of your role. Um, and the last one, which I don't think a lot of people spend a lot of time on is celebration of accomplishments, recognition of the accomplishments, because sometimes we can get so down in the dumps about something that went wrong. But in the meantime, you know, you you have other successes that you can draw on that, that, because otherwise you drain the energy out. And and, and this is an intense job. Yeah. From, from a standpoint of it, you, you need to the energy level that you need to maintain over, over a period of time is, is, is something that people need to be concerned about, and yeah you know we you, you talk about health, you talk about wellness um all of those support your ability to do that and um and I think that's one of the things that i I was fortunate that I spent some time on my fitness i uh, you know <laughs> It's pretty intense, it's pretty uh time consuming in terms of you know the number of days that I think I, I only slept four hours or five hours, and that was it. It's like that was that was so bad, I should never have done that, <laughs> but yeah, in the meantime, so I, I think those are the kinds of things that I look for. Um, you know, I, I listed a bunch of other items there in terms of maturity and, and um, interplay with with people, and you know, you, you have. But that's that's a day to day stuff if yeah. if you're having challenges that's something you can learn but yeah sense of accomplishment is is to me something you walk away with and and you can yeah. take uh, to your next role or to your next retirement whatever yeah
0: sense of accomplishment it's um you know uh, you know what want i i do want to make a comment on that dave like mm-hmm. sense of accomplishment because you know, one of the things that early in my my leadership career, I I sort of, I sort of took it for granted. Honestly, like, hey, you're you're doing a good job, and you you don't need a pat on the back all the time, right? There's a balance there, though, right? Um, I think one of the things I learned uh, working with a coach myself, like an executive coach, was praise the process, not the outcome right i think there's a there's a lot of talks out there about a um growth mindset you know carol dweck is you know really famous for that mm-hmm. but it's it's about praising the process like if someone did something you know let's just say they they created a a new hiring process right um it may or may not have worked but praise the fact that they they went out there and they tried something and they they created it right and they tried it out um but also you know at the same time uh, look for the areas of improvement what would you do differently next time right mm-hmm. if it didn't work and that's one of the things i've learned like praising people it's not always about the outcome it's it's the process and and i i've i've learned that you know to praise people for that and it's actually changed how i approach things like yes you got to celebrate big wins and all that's pretty obvious it's important, important for the morale of the team for building oh. the brand of the individuals but um, my god those little things you do like, hey, good job on I, I, I like how you put this process together. Oh, I love how you your thought process during that meeting and how you put up your hand, mm-hmm. right? And 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 talked about that. I, I've that's probably one of the biggest learnings that I've had over the years is praise the process. Right. Mm-hmm. Um so I, I'm glad you brought that up is just well, praising, I, you know, like accomplishments.
1: I, I think I'll I'll take it to one step further there and that and that is you, you talk about there's failures um, sense of accomplishments is, is also the ability to uh, allow yourself to fail. You push yourself to get to whatever idea or whatever activity you're trying to do. But if you fail, what do you do with that knowledge? Because you have actually created knowledge of here's my, 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 my idea here's the result. Now, what do I learn from that? And the sense of accomplishment to me is also part of that process, is that you've actually tried. And now I am going to learn in terms of the next item that I'm gonna try and facilitate, whether it's taking it one step further, backing up, redesign, whatever, whatever the case may be. But having the right to fail is, a lot of people are very cautious sometimes and yeah. and maybe over cautious because they're afraid that they will fail. And and as a manager, you need to be able to make people comfortable that they can fail. Yeah. No, there's like there are certain things like you can't drive backwards off the of an interstate here. You, know, that's, you can't? No. Okay. uh but the just, I just ter- did it the other day. They're so. they're more terminal.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's not but, life and death is what
1: you're saying. No, it's not life and death. And, and, and this, this goes back to this individual that uh, I kept for a long time on his architectural presentation. The idea was he had to learn from every one of his mistakes. And, and, and in any end, he really appreciated that. And he learned a lot from doing that. Um, and that's, I, I think, a part and parcel is with accomplishments and making sure there's recognition. Because yeah. the recognition of failures is also a plus in, in my mind. And, and that's kind of the way I've looked at it from many points.
0: Yeah, and and those are the leaders and coaches and mentors that uh, I I still respect to this day. Those who who accepted it and and you know it's kind of like it's baked into the hiring process. You know, mm-hmm. if I'm going to hire you into this, mistakes are baked into the whole package, yeah. right? It's not perfection that was I was hiring you for. And and but the, the folks who actually took the time right took the time to explain things and try to make you better right like those are the people you just don't forget mm-hmm. uh, to this day um like some of the folks I, I i reflect on from years ago my god um you know to this day it's it's amazing Um uh, what i wouldn't be here if they just gave up on me and said you know what you're a screw up see you later yeah right mm-hmm. and and i appreciate that um well, look, I, I do want to uh, ask you a few few more, uh, I guess we can call it wrap-up questions, right? Okay. I do want to ask you, like, so, you know, we, we sort of talk about hybrid work and uh, and all that. But um, just, and this is a very broad question, Dave. When you look at the world right now, where what do you think it's going to be? How do you think the world's going to be in five years?
1: <laughs> I have a pat answer for that. Jet What's that mean? GBT. Chat GPT. What would they okay. say? Huh? That's a great question, Dave. <laughs> well, it won't it won't uh, pre- um profess love for you. <laughs> uh actually uh it did well, <laughs>
0: I think it actually told a, a journalist to uh leave their leave their spouse um yeah. in, in one situation. Yeah. That's 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 amazing by the way. Yeah. So chat GPT. So-
1: so the the, the challenge with predicting what's going on in five years is because I could not have told you where I would just was even three years ago, where I am now, um, and it's going back to the earlier comment I made, I I feel extremely lucky uh, throughout my career that I, as long as I was willing to take on whatever challenge was given to me, uh, that I would be able to. Uh, take it on, and and in of many of the accounts that I, uh, like companies that I've worked for, I started as an SE. I didn't start as a manager. Um, I, I came from a management role. I said, no, I want to go back to being an SE. I want to understand what's going on with technology. I want to get back and get my feet wet, and my hands wet, and and I really did enjoy that lifestyle, life activity. And of course, needs to say, they turned around and said well you've got some management experience on your life life you know okay we're going to make you manager in fact that i have a story for that one um I, I was a a line manager um for Siebel. and uh we had a management meeting on the east coast all the managers across the us and canada came in and um i got about halfway through the uh event all the managers in one room they were about to talk about changes and, and um, uh, reorging of the uh, sales organization and how we were going to go against that. And I got this little tug. I'm in the back of the room. I, it's usually where I go, back of the room. And I got this little tug on my, my shirt. And I'm looking back and it's it's my boss. And she says, well, you want to come out with me? And uh, okay, Uh-oh. and I'm walking outside and there's uh, uh, another Senior exec manager. And uh, Val said to me, uh, Congratulations. You now report to him. <laughs> and I was, I was like, Oh, okay. Why did you have to pull me out of the room just to tell me that? And, he, and then he says, Oh, um, there's nine managers in there that will report to you. And I was like, What? I'm going from a line manager to a second line? And, and I'm thinking, okay, who are the nine? The entire Eastern Seaboard. And it's, it's like, <laughs> what the hell is going on here? But you, got, you got to roll with the punch, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And so that I, I don't, I wanted to make sure you heard that story because you just never know when something's going to happen. Yeah. And you got to prepare yourself that you ha- you can't react. You have to kind of like, okay. What do I do next? What's what's the scenario, and then you go out and figure out how you're going to deal with it. And that, that to me is um, what's going to happen in five years. Bringing it back to that, um, technology-wise, we're seeing dramatic changes going on here. It's, you know, you, you got your Chat Q uh, PT. I'm having a challenge with those letters. Um, you you have all of this cloud technology.
0: I hope Google wins there because it's just called Bard. <laughs> it's just easier, <laughs> just purely purely based on the name. I just hope well, I hope they win this battle, right? Chat GPT oh, is not exactly man. the best marketing
1: slogan, right? So, well, Google's never been known to <laughs> do that. Well,
0: but, we'll put that aside. Yeah, right? put that. Or aside. maybe they can just buy the rights to the name. We'll call it yeah.
1: Bard GPT
0: or something. Yeah.
1: No. From 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 what I what I say in five years is for me. Again, this is a personal thing. I'm I'm at that stage in my life where I have to think of make sure financially I'm secure. Um, I am secure from a standpoint of safety, so to speak. I have uh, potential opportunity to go travel quite a bit, subject to wars that are <laughs> brewing somewhere. Um, but from a standpoint of uh, work, uh you you i i it's 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 like when um what was it when vmware came out not vmware uh, uh who was it that well when the web became popular there was there's lots of places where they were talking about technologies were getting more efficient and you need less people to operate the software and and i was, I was like you know what all of my experiences in terms of technology has been it's like it's like um uh, uh, Gordon Moore's uh, uh, Moore th- uh, theory. It's just going to double in terms of the needs and the people that need to facilitate the actual use of the technologies that are going to be out there. Maybe it's not exactly the same job description, but in five years, I, 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 was, I, was, I, I would say that uh, you're seeing a lot of change going on right now. Digital banking this is going to be uh, pretty interesting to see where that goes. Um, you have your space activity going on right now um, in terms of all the various uh, organizations competing to, to be the big man on Mars first, uh, th- those are the kinds of things that are happening. Does that impact me personally? Not directly, but it's, I, I you know, technology just keeps moving along and, and Moore's laws pretty well has been correct so far. So double it up and we'll see what happens.
0: Well, it might affect you, you know, your, your family might say, well, Dad, um, I'll see you in Tokyo uh, in two hours. Right? <laughs> Space travel, yeah, right? I have, you know, to get, I have
1: to get that phone call first.
0: <laughs> oh, oh,
1: that's another podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, Dad, Dad um, I, I need to go to Tokyo. Can I, you can you yeah. send me some money?
0: send me some money uh <laughs> just some petty cash with five no. figures no, I, I i think I think
1: and you I, I look at my family and 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 uh, we have a joint family um, yeah. and each of them have different careers, each of them in fact successes and so forth but uh I look to them to see kind of where things are going, and um, honestly they're the whole aspect of focus on on the planet and all of the aspects of the social conscience that's going on right now. I think that's, you know, when you look at volunteer activities and so forth, that's, that's kind of where it's at. And I think mm-hmm. that's in the next five years is where a lot of focus is going to be put at least at, at my, my level. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, and,
0: and, you know, like what, what you're saying about, um, yeah, I remember even as a kid, people talking about, Oh, the computer's going to take away jobs and, uh, factories don't need as many workers anymore. Yes, but you know, as human beings, and I think it's a good thing about the human race is that we 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 will always find a way to do more mm-hmm. with what we have, right? That's also the bad thing about the human race too, right? We we have a way of uh, messing things up and polluting things and messing it. Yeah, um, but to to think that GBT is going to uh, say, "Oh, put a, a bunch of people out of jobs," no. They'll find new jobs, right? Um, retrain. We have a way of, yeah. They'll retrain and do something else. I mean, history has taught us that, right? Mm-hmm. There won't be fewer jobs. It's just that job just won't exist anymore, right? Um, yeah. But there will be a new job with new, new skills required. So it's a it's going to be a new world. And I think about what's what it's going to look like for my kids. Um, my kids are probably training training right now
1: for a job that doesn't exist yet. Um, and, I'm very sure. And you, you—that's an interesting point because um, I, I, you know, I, I, I was in the same career type for thirty-six, thirty-seven years. Mm-hmm. That's that's a, That in in their world, that's going to be pretty well a non-starter. They're yeah. they're they're going to be changing their careers on a regular basis. At least that that's what I think. And and their ability to learn quickly is going to be yeah. key to do that. Yeah.
0: Well. Well, thank you very much, Dave. Um, I've been thinking about how to end this podcast since this is uh, the inaugural podcast that we have. I've been making it up on the spot. What questions do you have for me? Let's see if this sticks. See, see if we're <laughs> going to have to edit this one out. <laughs> are, you, are you enjoying yourself? Am I enjoying myself? Yeah. Are you this enjoying, is a broad question. Doing
1: what, are you enjoying doing what you're doing?
0: I enjoy what uh, what I'm doing. Um, so this, you know, what I'm doing here right now with mm-hmm. you, this is a passion project. And, and, you know, like, I think when we first started talking in today's conversation, I asked about retirement and legacy and what, what you're going to do. Uh, it's, it's something I've been thinking about for the last few years. Right. It, mm-hmm. I know you joke about like, it's early. I don't think it's too early. And, and the reason why is I've seen too many friends, family members, et cetera, who, when their version of retirement was going from purpose to no purpose. Yeah. And that scares me. And I don't want to be in that situation. And that's true. Yeah. And so when I look at what is this giving me, it's, it's, it's a finger pointing to the moon. I know that the direction is that way. I don't know where it's going to lead, but I know it gives me energy. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, so. I guess you can call this as future proofing, whatever I'm doing here, whatever this is gonna become. I don't know. Um and you know, h- how it supplements my, my day job as a leader, I think it's uh it's actually you know, we talk about growth, growth mindset. Mm-hmm. We've talked over the years. I thought I know you, I think I do know you, but there's always something else I'm learning about you, right? And I learned a lot from you today. And so I appreciate that. And and for me, as long as I'm learning, I'm going to enjoy myself, right? But the moment where something gets stagnant and it's like, you know, and I don't have autonomy, Mm -hmm. then it's, you know what? It's time for me to do something else, right? But I'm very fortunate professionally. I'm in a place where I, I like to call it, I've been asked to paint a Mona Lisa. I've been given a picture. Here's how the Mona Lisa looks. Go make your own version now. Right, and I'm allowed to paint my own version of Mona Lisa, right? And so I'm still stimulated in my job, um, uh, and and this this gives me energy as well because I, it keeps me learning. So,
1: mm-hmm. and I think I think that's the big thing. Uh, I have to do the same thing. Like you, we we talk about. There's always a project. Like I, I don't have any time to take on anything more. It's it's it's. it's whether whether you're talking about reno's, whether you're talking about um, all of the aspects of keeping my network active, uh, mm-hmm. that that in itself is a job. Like <laughs> some, mm-hmm. so you might 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 think that kind of different, but it it's when, when you uh, are retired, uh, people are all focused on their careers. There's there's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. But now you you have family and your your work life has now kind of collided into one yeah and now now the focus and the emphasis is is different but it's it's basically the same you you still have the same things in terms of when you're when you're talking to them in terms of what's happening with their lives and and how you are inter- interfaced with that uh, that's 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 kind of a key and then all of the aspects and opportunities for volunteering and being part of the community is is something that will keep you active, and yeah. if you follow anything in terms of the green zone of the world, the five green zones where the age of the average age is uh, blue zones. You mean blue, the blue zone? Sorry, yeah, thank you. Yeah, um, and, and the you, answer is
0: yes. This is you, where
1: a lot of my thought process
0: comes from. Is yeah. Years of learning about the blue zones, right? Actually, maybe to our listeners out there, the blue zones. Uh, you want to want to just quickly? Well, these tell there's folks five
1: areas in in the world where they have documented basically. Lifestyles of individuals, and they have uh, <laughs> a number of centurions has has evolved from this uh, in terms of uh, long life, and it's uh, speaking toward not just their food or their environmental uh, aspects, but also their social structure mm-hmm. and and how they support each other, uh, right from baby to oldest person in, in that group, and this, these are areas that. Uh, for whatever reason, the combination of those aspects um, have given uh, longevity uh, in terms of the, they're the people. And on yeah. the average, they're, they're many, many oh, over 100 years age. Um, yeah. So um, I can't remember all the places, but. Um, yeah. yeah. So Sardinia, Okinawa. Okinawa. And yeah. there's a place in California. Uh, I think
0: it was a California or Utah. Uh, oh,
1: you could be right. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, there's a fifth yeah, what I found somewhere.
0: amazing about that was, and I, I read that years ago, and, and a lot of that goes into my current thinking, right? What was very surprising in those those regions was that, um, it, exactly, you think, oh, it's the food. It's not just that, but the, the, the other two things was a sense of community, right? The social side, right? A belo- sense of belonging, right? And the mm-hmm. other thing was um, purpose. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that's that's an important one. (laughs) Yeah, having purpose and purpose in like in Okinawa, one of the community, you know, sense of community. So they all band together to work on a common project, and the purpose is to get you know, it was like harvesting um, uh, vegetables and doing it, you know, doing it together, right? Mm -hmm. It's not. It wasn't about the money. It was about the community and the purpose, right? In 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 their retirement life, and um, that's what I'm personally, you know, back to. Am I happy? I'm absolutely happy because I know I will have purpose, right? Mm-hmm. I, I yeah. have purpose now, right? Uh, my job gives me a lot of purpose. My kids give me a lot of purpose, but that can't be all, right? Um, my kids can't be everything. There are There's a, a lot of things, but they can't be everything. Neither can my job, right? Especially my job. Yeah. And this is uh, this is something, you know, the proverbial working in the community. I'm harvesting right now. And this is my way of giving back to the community. And I feel like I'm giving back in some way, um, some shape or form through this, this Avenue.
1: So that's good. Uh, that's, that's, yeah. that's, that's, um, that's great. And I, I won't ask you anything about work.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm still employed and i plan to stay that way, Dave. That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not retired yet, sir.
1: <laughs> yeah. And you, you speak about your family. Um, it's it's been a while since I've, I've actually talked to you about the, your sons and your son and daughter. Um, yep. and, and, and of course your foot, <laughs> my foot, that, that, that foot's got
0: a, uh, so for to the folks listening, um, when I, years ago, when I, when, when I, I knew Dave uh, working in the same place, you know, there's one day I, I came into the office, uh, you know, on, on crutches and, uh, yeah, I tore my Achilles on my right foot years ago on that same foot. When I was a teenager, I broke my ankle too. So this this foot's just received so much, so much damage over the years, right? I mean, there goes my career as an NBA player, right? <laughs> All seven foot ten of me. Yeah, um, I was going to say. Yeah, I know. I, I I look like that, especially on this camera, seven foot yeah, ten. There you go. <laughs> um, and my uh, dry sense of humor, you know. So, but yeah, uh, it's but it's been a pleasure uh, talking today, Dave. And um, I've learned a lot from you, and I always learn a lot from you. So I appreciate it. No, anytime. Anytime I can help,
1: not a problem. All right. Thank you, David, for the opportunity.
0: Fine. Off for now.
1: Okay.